Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics right here on Blog Talk Radio. Hercules Invictus, uh, and tonight we have an awesome show, starting with the Age of Heroes, which is hosted by myself, and my guest today is Diane Duncan, and the topic is the Celestial Diet. Greetings and welcome, Diane. Well, thank you. Thank you, Hercules. And uh, Michael is here. He made it in. Oh, fantastic. (laughs) Great to have you here, Michael. Oh, well, thank you, Hercules. I'm so glad I could make it. Oh, my goodness. What, a, what an exciting topic. This is right down our alley. Oh, we love it. <laughs> yes, and, and it didn't seem to happen last time, so I'm glad it, we had the opportunity for it to happen uh, today because uh, this is a very important uh, uh, topic. Well, it is, and it, it's facing people today. Really, in a hard way, Hercules. Um, actually, we had as guests uh, this this week Sunday um, some mm-hmm. ranch folks that we've known for oh, a wow. long time, and uh-huh. they called us. They called us on Saturday, last Saturday, and uh, George is the the gentleman's name. A long time, long time rancher reader. He's read the book seven times, <laughs> seven wow. times. Oh, my golly. And he called us and asked us to pray, to pray for his family. Um, His father had just been taken to the hospital. His uh, wife's mother was in the hospital. Uh, Her aunt was in the hospital. And uh, his wife, uh, Irma, had just had a broken leg and a rod put in her leg. So uh, he was just in a real um, terrible state and wanted us to pray as a family with his family. But but not only that, he wanted some ideas on lifestyle. Okay. He was starting to feel that uh, he really needed some support, uh, not only spiritually, but 
some ideas about how to lead his life a little differently. He was overworking. His father was in the hospital. He had to take on his dad's company plus his own job, and he was overworking. So what we did is Michael invited them all over the next day for dinner, Mm -hmm. and uh, that they came and they brought their daughter, their lovely daughter, and we fixed a vegetarian dinner for them with Mm. sprouts and with uh, vegetables and Brussels sprouts and mushrooms and brown rice and lots of fruit on the table. And it really made them think about what their life had been. They 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 wanted a way to kind of uh, lose a few pounds and feel right. better and be more inspired with life. And, and even their daughter was interested in ways to be more healthy. They felt they'd been eating too much sugar, and um, uh, that has been causing uh, Irma a lot of trouble. And so, so we did. We gave them a vegetarian dinner and a talk. And then Michael suggested that we video them for a Urantia talk about the Urantia book. Yeah, so we all went in the backyard and and, uh, talked to the whole family and videoed them. And uh, the the little girl was just lovely. She's only 12, but she was taking all this in, you know. (laughs) And and so um, what happened, though, is that night after they left us, and we had them most of the day, they went on to the hospital to be with the, the mother, Irma's mother. And the next morning they called us that um, George, the father, uh, they, they thought he'd had a stroke, and he was in the hospital. No, George. Yeah, George, the uh, one who came to visit us Sunday. The father. But his his father's name is his George. His father's name is George, too. He and was in the hospital. He was in the hospital because of, uh, he uh-huh. had a, some br- a brain aneurysm. Right. So uh, George uh, successfully um, was able to get out of the hospital in a few days. But, but they, they really, um, Irma and George, really thought about all the things that we had said, and uh, especially the part of the vegetarianism. Mm-hmm. And also the idea of the 554 plan, because George had been working too hard and then uh, almost had a stroke. So, so wow. we really feel we had a real personal uh, involvement in that family and their decision to really try uh, maybe thinking about the vegetarian diet to lose a few pounds. There, uh, Maybe his heart had just been working too hard. And George, and, is, and George is only 39. He's a young man, just 39 wow, years And uh, his father's only 65 in the hospital right now. And so here you have a young family with two young daughters, 18 and 14, and they really wanted some help and some ideas on lifestyle. So it was just like a perfect timing for us to help them because after that we we called and we called to find out how George was and finally um, Michael got to talk to him from the hospital and he said, boy, he was going to try the 554 plan, rest more and start looking at those vegetables and fruits more seriously. (laughs) Wow. Wow. That that is 
Great. So uh, you're you're spreading positivity and health uh, through all of your endeavors, uh, not just uh, through your spiritual teachings. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah. So and this this was Michael's one of his really good friends, you know, in the Arantia Society. So so it was really a very personal connection this this last weekend. <laughs> well, that is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, the lifestyle is just right up our alley, you know, Hercules, and and we feel that, uh, and we've we've felt all the way through, and and Diane too, because, you know, she's been very very healthy her whole life. She mm-hmm. became a veg- she became a vegetarian when she was twelve, mm-hmm. and uh, you know she she kind of grew up in a, a Seventh Day Adventist setting, although they weren't you know expressing their Seventh Day Adventism. Uh, Seventh Day Adventist lifestyle overtly, but she mm-hmm. must have picked up on she must have picked up on that along the way, with the vegetarianism and having a pure pure temple, pure body, uh, you know, for God and for God's work. Um, but I think that she she has become a better Seventh Day Adventist than most of the Seventh Day Adventists. <laughs> well, we don't want to say that. That's terrible. <laughs> Well, her lifestyle is her, her lifestyle is incredibly good, uh, Hercules, and she passed that on to me when we awesome. met. When we met in 1991, <laughs> I was going to UC Irvine for my uh, Bachelor of Music degree in vocal performance. Uh, we met in 1991 there at uh, UC Irvine, and uh, you know she she. She completed my conversion to <laughs> helped me helped me complete my conversion to a vegetarian lifestyle taking uh well i didn't I didn't drink and I don't do drugs, but you know no tobacco, none of that stuff uh just really pure healthy foods and good rest you know uh having a, a spiritual study and lifestyle and all that um so she converted me to that, and boy, Hercules, I've been uh, I've been very, very healthy, just like her, <laughs> ever since. Um, but but my my path kind of started uh, a number of years before that. I'd say in about 1989, mm-hmm. about ni- no, about 1988, uh, I was attending the University of Laverne in Laverne, California. It's just about an hour and a half north of us here. We're in Mission Viejo. Um, so I was at the University of Laverne, and I was taking one of my general education courses in English, English okay. literature. Uh, and my professor, Fleur Kinney, was her name. I don't know if she's still alive or not, but uh, she she had a required reading list. And one of the books that was required reading was Way of the Peaceful Warrior by I Daniel. remember that book. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did, did you know that book, Hercules? <laughs> yes, I read the book years and years and years ago, primarily because somebody told me that uh, his uh, guide or teacher, uh, his name was Socrates. <laughs> so I right, looked into Socrates. it. Socrates. Uh-huh. And then you made a movie <laughs> of it, and I saw the movie, too. Uh, the movie came out many years later, but I saw that. <laughs> so so that uh, so that was about uh, you know a number of years before I met Diane maybe like three or four years or so before I met Diane but uh, you know I read the book 
several times and uh, kind of dabbled into vegetarianism and the way to eat and the way to think about food and uh, meditation, you know, and really uh, looking at every moment of life as very precious, very valuable uh, moments for learning, right? Mm-hmm. But, uh, but in the process, Hercules, in the process of that study, in the process of it, um, I was not able to really fully uh, embrace or fully master that preliminary step in my spiritual career. It wasn't until I met Diane that I really had that support, you know, that ability to really do it. And so from that point on, we've been doing it, uh, but we've made incredible uh, advances in our lifestyle and in the food intake and the way we uh, view food. And uh, it brings us to this point right now where we're introducing the new worldwide religion of love and the magisterial mission and the 10-year plan. And a lot of this centers around our health for our bodies to be able to take us into this new spirituality. So we right. need a, So we're, we're um, you know, we've got, gosh, we've got decades of this lifestyle under our belt, but we're still reaching for more. But for us and for me, especially, it started with food, definitely. So how would you describe your diet? Because... Um, I, I know many people who describe themselves as vegetarians or, or vegans, um, and uh, uh, some are like ovo-lacto-pesco vegetarians. You know, there, there's there's all sorts of different variations. Uh, some people stick with uh, only organic uh, foods. Other people uh, will have uh, pizza and uh, um, and beer, let's say. Uh, so. How would you define the the celestial way of eating? It's it's vegetarian that we know, um, and uh, it's delicious from what you describe. I wish I lived uh, nearby; I would have dropped by too. Um, so you're welcome, you and Athena and the family. <laughs> well, uh, for one thing, we we are not as strict as probably a lot of people are. And I know one time, I think it was Matreya, was it Matreya that yes. asked? Matreya uh, said that he wanted us to try and become vegan. Okay. And vegan, vegan. But um, vegan is, is hard for us. It, but he did. He did put that into our mind. So we're not um, forgetting that. It's just that it's something that we will have to approach. And slowly, (laughs) Uh, we will eat a pizza once in a while. But I'll tell you, we've been going to some different pizza parlors because, you know, we have two boys, two teenagers, and they love pizza. Uh, We've been going to this new pizza parlor, and they make a marvelous pizza crust with cauliflower. Mm. Oh, it is so Good. Yeah, it's good. Oh, it's good. It's good. So the cauliflower, and then you have the choice also of whole wheat, and you know different things like that. So, so we're not um, we're not as strict as a lot of people. Now we don't eat eggs, that's for sure, and we okay. don't eat milk anymore. But I I grew up on regular milk, and I was always so healthy. But the angels don't want me to um, do anything except the soy. 
But now we give it to the kids. Well, you're not drinking soy, though. You're drinking almond and cashew. Right, right. But a little some bit of soy. soy some bit of soy, soy, yeah. Uh huh. So we're not as um, stringent or as you know. Um, well. But, but where we but where we do where we are strict a little bit though, Hercules is is in the uh, is in the meat category. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you know. Um, we don't eat any uh, we don't eat any meat of any kind you know from from an animal who has eyes basically you know well we don't eat fish either yeah. you know they have so eyes, fish too. eyes. Uh, any any you know sentient being that can mm-hmm. look out upon the world and evaluate <laughs> evaluate the world and uh-huh. you know critical think and and solve problems and have relation you know complex relationships with the environment mm-hmm. It's the the meats we don't, you know, because some people say, well, you know, I'm a vegetarian, but I still eat fish, you know. But, right, but the we, vegetarians, yes. Right, pescatarian. So we we extend it to uh, we we don't eat the the meat from the the animals or the beings, sentient beings that have eyes, um, but um, we do. But we tried, or I tried, because my my Treya talked to us a year or so ago about becoming vegan. And I tried it, Hercules, um, but, you know, my schedule is pretty tough. I mean, at, at the time I had three jobs, and we've got the, the kitties here and everything, a big house here in Mission Viejo. I tried, I tried the vegan diet for a number of months, but I just found I needed something more substantial. So, you know, I kept in the cheese. And the yogurt. And the yogurt. But yes, but we did. But as Diane mentioned, we did go to we did go go to the almond milk, the cashew milk, and the soy milk. So I guess we're vegetarians. I'd, I'd say we're, we're vegetarians. Yes. On the verge, maybe on the verge of becoming vegan someday. <laughs> but but I think the the important thing here is so it isn't just that Hercules. It's also uh-huh. a lot of other things that we've learned, like. You know, a lot of people will drink soda out of an aluminum can, and we're just scared to death of aluminum because it's just not the kind of metal that's good for people. No, no, studies on that. Yeah, you know, they always say, well, Rome fell because of the uh, wonderful, beautiful cups they they drank out of, but they, they had lead in them. The pewter cups had lead, right. you know, and also in uh, the Scandinavian countries and Germany and so forth, you know, all the lead. So, you know, we're very careful about that. Uh, copper also, they think, uh, really hurt the Scandinavian uh, countries in their early development because copper is a poison for the body. So we not only are thinking of food entirely, we're also thinking of, well, what what things are are toxic to the body to the physical body also so that, that's that's very important um astrid who uh, is on uh, after you tonight uh, and oh. she's a fellow argonaut as well um uh-huh. she has been dealing with a lot of the same things and she's looking to the four elements uh, as a way of uh, looking at this uh, situation and uh, not only what you put into your body's uh, temple, but also what uh, we collectively are doing to the environment and uh, helping the earth heal and uh, get rid of all the poisons we're pumping into the water and into the air oh, and into yeah. the soil. And, you know, so um, 
that, that is very important. Um, dairy is not my friend anymore. I love I love dairy. I love uh, you know uh, um, yogurt, uh, and uh, I started experimenting with the Mediterranean diet, and they allow yogurt. However, oh. uh, the last two times I had uh, yogurt, uh, it did not agree with me uh, at all. Uh, so, uh, uh, although I like dairy, dairy doesn't like me anymore. So I have to respect that and move forward uh, without uh, dairy. Um, and right. because of both of you, and because of uh, Michael Del Russi, uh, who is also a vegetarian, uh, and he has a show uh, with me as well, uh, I have been increasing the amount of uh, vegetables that I've been oh. eating, and I found that Yay. Um, yeah, so. You guys are having an effect on me. I still eat meat, <laughs> but uh, I've been eating increasingly more, more vegetables. And I found that I love grilled uh, vegetables. I've developed a passion yeah. for that, oh. that as often as I can. We do, too. <laughs> put, a little, uh, put a little olive oil on that yes. when you grill it. Oh, it's fantastic. Hey, Hercules. Uh, okay, so we were talking, you were talking about the veggies, right, and the fruits. So Ceres, Ceres, also known as Demeter or Demeter, mm -hmm. uh, she, she she is working with Maitreya in a way mm -hmm. for this for this new uh, you know this new spirituality this new uh, uplift right mm -hmm. of the mm -hmm. humans humans and the and the earth. She's working with Maitreya to a certain degree, and she is telling everybody to eat more of the of the foods that nature gives to us in their own package. Yes. She wants us to she wants us to get away from uh processed foods and chemical chemical uh mm -hmm. saturated chemically saturated foods and mm -hmm. you know um mass produced foods. She wants us to eat more of the fruits and veggies, you know, that have one ingredient. I had a health class I had a health class in college for my edu my education studies, and uh, he said, uh, "Well, you know, the best food is uh, the one that has one ingredient." <laughs> you know, so so what's in broccoli? And we all went, "Oh, let's see, it's got this chemical." This, this. he said, "Broccoli." <laughs> <laughs> you know? What's in beans? Uh, beans. You know? <laughs> but I, I think what Diane was starting to really touch on, Hercules, I think is really the important thing to health, whether it's food or things we ingest into our bodies, and that is the blood, our blood. Yes. Clean blood, pure blood, free from poisons and toxins. Mm -hmm. And, I, and I, I bet, I bet you that the celestials, and this, this may sound a little campy, but... I think the celestials will be more likely to come to a person or visit a person that has a pure vehicle or a pure temple, visit them, work with them, commune with them, have a relationship with them. You know, uh, it, it seems to me like the body that we have, the body that we have is like a tabernacle. You know, is is God mm -hmm. going to visit that tabernacle if it's unclean? You know, and and that's the whole. That's one of the the main uh, the main teachings of John Harvey Kellogg in his Living Temple book. And of course, we know John Harvey Kellogg from Kellogg's Corn Flakes, uh -huh. and, and the Seventh Day Adventists were extremely instrumental 
in kind of revamping or rehabilitating um, the uh, sanitariums and the hospitals, uh, places for people to, to get well and healed in the West, you know, with Western medicine. They, they helped develop the modern hospital. But John Harvey Kellogg, he, his main premise is, uh, is pure blood, that your blood is free from toxins and poisons of all types. It's very important for 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 us to receive, um, you know, for us to receive the the most amount of light. And I wanted to I wanted to just read, if I may, Hercules, just a sure. tiny bit, a tiny bit from John Harvey Kellogg's uh, Living Temple book. And can I, uh, Hercules, just mention that a lot of people might not know who John Harvey Kellogg was. Um, of course, we know because uh, studying the Rancho book, we know that he was the one who uh, mentored uh, his nephews and nieces in the Rancho papers, and then later, uh, after his death, that they produced the Rancho book. But John Harvey Kellogg was a Seventh Day Adventist minister, and he was the one who would teach the other ministers. He was lecturing to over 100 uh, Seventh-day Adventist ministers for uh, 20 years of his life. And he also, of course, was the child, as a child from the age of 12, was living with, uh, uh, of course, beautiful... Um, Ellen G. White. Ellen G. White, <laughs> who created the Seventh-day Adventist religion. And so she taught him all of her uh, teachings and all the things that she had learned. So I wanted our listeners to know who John Harvey Kellogg was. He wasn't just the person who developed the Kellogg's cereals. <laughs> he was right. a full-fledged minister. He um, worked very, very hard as a doctor. He was a doctor, minister. Uh, a minister, a lecturer, um, you know, and helped create this new religion and the Urantia book. And he also wow, that's helped... a accomplished in a lifetime. <laughs> he lived to be like in his 90s, too, but yeah. of course he was a vegetarian. You know, all of those fellows were that started the Urantia book. They were all vegetarian. See, that's the thing. They combined the beauty of trying to eat in a more spiritual way with a more spiritual life and living. And it worked. It worked. They, they lived long lives and very healthy. <laughs> and they, they managed to accomplish a lot to, to the benefit of other people. Right, they, right. They what? They what? What did you say? They contributed much to the lives of other oh, yeah. people. So their lives were were socially uh, uh, uh -huh. useful and empowering. Well, John Harvey Kellogg, uh, he adopted 40 children, 40 orphans. Wow. He brought a lot of them from England because they'd go back and forth there all the time. And he also uh, adopted some children that were here in America. And he bought this big, huge home, and he actually took care of those 40 children in his house. In his house, wow. 40 children. Just That's really amazing man. <laughs> and it's amazing. This may sound really funny, but <laughs> on his honeymoon, he wrote an article on celibacy. <laughs> 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 and then he 
adopted those 40 children and would not have any children of his own. <laughs> okay. So he was really <laughs> an interesting fellow. <laughs> yeah, but you know, yes, he, was, uh, um, huh? he was criticized, though, for not resting enough. <laughs> you know, because he was a pretty busy dude. <laughs> well, it John Harvey like Kellogg. What's that? <laughs> No, it sounds like it. I'd love to hear uh, what he had to say. You were going to read a quote from his book? Yes. Yes, uh-huh. yes. Thank you for that wonderful background information. <laughs> I hope that wasn't too much, Hercules. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> John Harvey was, uh, wow, what a, what a guy. He's, he's so underrated. He's so underrated. Okay, so anyway, so he changed, he changed uh, the way that we see modern medicine, right? Um, mm-hmm. He helped uh, to develop all of the uh, the new types of sanitarium. Well, they called it sanitarium back then. Uh, you know, American presidents and people from all over the world came yeah. to his sanitariums. Oh yeah. But he wrote this book called The Living Temple, talking about how our bodies are tabernacles of the flesh, and they are, you know, they are temples for the Father to visit and be with, and for us to work work with people, do God's work. Okay, so here we go. This is what he says about, uh, he says, pure food, the light of the body. And, of course, just a tiny bit more background. Uh, they're rooted in the Bible, of course, you know. Seventh-day Adventist. Yeah, they're a, they're a Christian denomination. Yes, of course. Uh-huh. So he says here, uh, said the Christ, quote, if thy whole body therefore... Be full of light, having no part dark. The whole shall be full of light, as when the bright shining of a candle doth give thee light. And that's from Luke eleven thirty six. As we have elsewhere seen, pure food is light. Light stored, done up in bundles, convenient to enter into the service of the temple the vehicle by means of which God's own life and energy become a part of the living body. Food is the fountain which supplies the ever-wasting stream of life. It is not apparent, then, that the filling of the body with light, illuminating it, so to speak, is to be accomplished by eating pure food, and that if we would have, quote, no part dark, We must be careful to introduce into it nothing by which darkness will be communicated to it. Light is life. Darkness is death. A body full of light is a body full of life, activity, and energy. A dark body is dead or dying. It is evident that the words of the Christ have a profound spiritual meaning, but it is equally evident that like other great fundamental truths, their application is as exact and apt in relation to physical as in relation to spiritual things. Indeed, when we come to look at nature and man and their relations to God in their true light, those barriers and distinctions by which men are accustomed to separate spiritual and mortal things from natural things disappear from view. The wall of partition between the natural and the spiritual is broken down, and all things become changed. Not that the spiritual is brought down, but that the natural and the physical are lifted up, 
spiritualized, transfigured. And it is the purpose of this book, so to lift up the divine temple in which God declares he himself dwells, that it is no longer appear or sorry, that it will no longer appear in any of its functions or features to be gross, material or earthly, but that it may appear that glorious and masterful work of God which it is created to be by the divine light which shines within and throughout. John Harvey Kellogg, The Living Temple, page 104. And anybody can order it. It's a fabulous book. He devoted his life to spiritual living and eating, and eating. His uh, dietary um, ideas are just uh, just wonderful. Yeah, and he ate yogurt. He did eat yogurt, yeah. He did recommend it, even though he was a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I know that. Well, uh, I want to tell you, uh, Hercules, too, an interesting um, experience I have had. Sure. With my son, We I took my son to Ireland. I may have mentioned this once before, but I just thought I would again. I took him to Ireland. Uh, he wanted to go in his college year, and it was right before he started college. In the summer, in August, we went, and we uh-huh. went to several countries. But in Ireland, in Dublin, there was a Hare Krishna parade. I may have told you, but it was so wonderful. We joined it, and mm-hmm. uh, we paraded through the streets of, of Dublin and shouting uh, and uh, you know, dangling our our uh, castanets and our, <laughs> you know, uh, just just having a really good time. Everybody was singing together and all. And then when we ended up, you know, at the Hare Krishna Temple, then everybody went in and had a beautiful vegetarian dinner. And you mm-hmm. know, this is is just kind of a, a an experience I'll never forget because. All those young people were so healthy and strong, and and they went in there and and had a a, a dinner that was um, just just so pure and so beautiful and so delicious. And I'll never forget that experience with them. That sounds wonderful. I remember when they were in New York years ago. Uh, people talked about the feast that they had after they. Uh, you know, we're doing their chanting in the street that they invited people over to eat and the food was very good. Oh, yes. And it is wonderful. We have a Hare Krishna temple that's down by the ocean close yeah. to us. Laguna Beach. In California. Laguna Beach. And, oh, we have spent so many Saturday afternoons having just, oh, you, you take two hours because, you know, <laughs> they just keep bringing on the different delicacies, you know, and, oh, yum, 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 Michael's going. <laughs> <laughs> well, that wonderful. Was, uh, one of the one of the times we had that was really nice, Hercules, was uh, <laughs> see, I was uh, in my education studies at a college down here called Cal State Long Beach in Long Beach, California, mm-hmm. and um, one of the uh, elements uh, of my music education was uh, a class called ethnomusicology, mm-hmm. where you study the music from different cultures and you know you see how they relate to western music and all that uh, and we had to do a field study mm-hmm. so one of the field studies i did well they they wanted us to you know study a uh, a subculture a music subculture and to go visit them and talk to them and all that so uh, i was very privileged to do uh you know do a field study on the Hare krishna movement <laughs> so we went to this Hare Krishna temple that, uh-huh. that Diane was talking about, yes. and I got to interview the the main uh, the main guy there. I can't 
camera. Is a guru? Is he a guru? Yeah, main uh-huh. guru there. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was fabulous. I got to interview him. And then we ate a beautiful uh, lunch. Oh, and yes. then And then we saw them doing the uh, the ecstatic dancing oh. that they do. <laughs> it's called ecstatic dancing. And what they do is they, it's almost like whirling dervish type uh, situation experience where they, they dance so much and so in, uh, intent, you know, with such intensity that they, they reach kind of a, a spiritual state, you know, of sorts like that. But, uh, but we, have, we have here this pamphlet here from the Hare Krishna movement. Mm-hmm. And it, it is a fabulous pamphlet. It goes into, uh, it goes into reincarnation and uh, the effects that food have on our karma and our reincarnation. Uh, it talks about sex. It talks about uh, what what sex is natural sex and which sex is illicit sex. So it talks about lifestyle. Uh, it also talks about um, you know how we view ourselves in the world. I mean, are we free thinkers? Because a lot of people say that the Hare Krishnas are are a cult and that everyone's brainwashed. But he makes a very very wonderful. Um, he makes a very wonderful statement here that, no, as a matter of fact, you know, we are free thinkers because we're choosing to move away from society regarding the things we watch, the things we eat, the, you know, health practices, the sexual practices. We're going counterculture. And to a certain extent, you know, they all look the same, I guess, and they they dance, and, you know, people think they're kind of weird and crazy. <laughs> Diane and I, we don't dress the same and we don't dance, but we, too, are going counterculture. Right. We're going, we're going, against, we're going against the processed foods, all the junk foods. Uh, we're going against, uh, you know, watching bad movies, watching, you know, dumb TV shows that dumb you down. <laughs> Uh, we're, we're going against, um, you know, we're going against late nights. We go to bed early. We get lots of rest. We're going against overwork. So there are so many things that we're going against <laughs> that contribute to this lifestyle. It's not just vegetarianism and the food we take in, but it's also what we do that contributes to our, I think, our being able to really communicate with the celestials and work with them and live with them. Um, I might tell you, uh, Hercules, I know we don't have too much time, right? Do you want to tell us how much time we have? I will tell you in one second. Let's see. Uh, We actually have uh, less than five minutes. We have like three minutes. Yeah, that's that's what I figured. Um, I just wanted to say that we had a wonderful meeting this last uh, week with Thea, the goddess Thea, and she's the goddess of life. And uh, one meeting... Uh, it was just a few Sundays ago, she told us to try and greet everyone that we met as a beacon of light, that they were like a shining one. And I thought that was very beautiful. But this last week, this last meeting with her, she said she wanted us to try and become, and I don't mean just Michael and me, I mean all people, all of humanity, everyone, to use this time of this period of time to try and develop themselves into being a beacon of light, to really think about it. And, you know, food is different colors. 
and you get the color therapy from the fruit, and not just from the gems, but from the red apples and the, the peaches and the lemons and the cantaloupes and the, the red of the watermelon. So all of these things are really light, a form of light and color. And so I just wanted to bring that out, that she wants us, everybody, to work toward getting more light in the body, not the darkness. Bring the light. Food that looks colorful and bright. You know, if you eat an apple or fresh strawberries, uh, it's just it's invigorating also because of their color. So I just wanted to bring that out, that we are to become a beacon of light, too. That is, that'll be the topic of our next special show together. That is an awesome discussion. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Mike and Diane. Uh, you're awesome. And uh, I look forward to speaking with you again very uh, soon. How can folks get in contact with you? Well, Hercules, you're awesome too. No, oh, yes, you are. Yes, you are. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we, uh, we have a YouTube channel. It's called... Michael and Diane Duncan. It's M I C H A E L A N D D I A N N E D U N K I N. And it is a channel that has over 80 videos on it of our celestial gatherings, our celestial team meetings, of our interviews with you and Nick, talking about uh, a variety of subjects spiritual, of course, and a couple of these team meetings were with Maitreya that uh, talk about vegetarianism and lifestyle and things like that. Uh, so that's Michael and Diane Duncan is our YouTube channel. You can uh, email us at michaelduncan1 at hotmail.com. And if you want to go to CD Baby, it's a, it's a uh, music website, CD Baby. We have four albums of our spiritually... Uh, inspired, Urantia book inspired songs. The artist page is Reverend Michael Duncan. That's me. So check out our music, check out our videos, <laughs> and you can even email us <laughs> and we can give you more hints about uh, our vegetarian lifestyle. Yes, it's very healthy and you can live without so many doctors. I haven't been to a doctor since 1976 and that was just for I thought I had a sprained ankle but I didn't. So <laughs> Well, we we should definitely uh learn from your experiences and that's uh, a lot to say. So, uh <laughs> certainly encourage me to begin moving more in that direction. Um, I will be contacting you very soon. Thank you very much, and have a great day. Oh, right. thank God you, Hercules. God bless you. Bye God bye. bless you. Okay, be well. We'll listen to Bone Post Orchestra's Evolve, and then we'll be back with Astrid and the Four Elements.
I'm Hercules Invictus, and our next segment is the Sussex Report, hosted by Astrid, and the topic is the four elements. 
Um, before Astrid comes on, just want to share that The Four Elements is being developed into its own show, and I'm really liking the direction that Astrid is taking in. Greetings and welcome, Astrid. How are you? Greetings, Hercules. Well, we find ourselves with power, thankfully, so far with this yeah. Easter. I, I don't know what's happening by you, but up here in Sussex County, the rain is torrential and the uh, yeah. winds are starting to pick up. <laughs> yeah, the the same here. The The rain's been falling, hitting across, uh, uh, hitting into the um, the walls, you can hear through the walls on the air conditions that are still in the windows, and uh, uh, the wind is howling on occasion. So uh, I can imagine what it's like out by you. Yeah, especially in an open area in the lake, you know, and you're between two mountain ranges. It's quite interesting. So I'm just hoping that the uh, the power lines stay up due to the trees and that that JCPNL had done their job last week, cutting down dead limbs near uh, particular roads that are by our power grid that seem to constantly be going down. Uh, we shall see. So, And I advise people in Sussex County to always keep a flashlight in hand. And the number of JCPL in terms of the emergency number for where there are outages and how long the estimations are, I will gladly send you that info to, so okay. you can provide it for people. Because doing it when you don't have the power is not the thing to do. Better to be prepared. And it's happening not just in the area where I am, whether it's a little more rural and uh, more uh, lots with the trees, but even Mm -hmm. parts of Sparta, which is a very well-heeled community and uh, upscale, uh, they had quite a few um, outages themselves. So uh, you're not immune from them up here, no matter where you live. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we do have some interesting. <laughs> we have some interesting things going on, and okay. um, one thing that occurs, uh, and I find it invaluable, is paper shredding events because you have all these documents and paper. And even though we tend to do so much online, why do we always get so much paper in the mail with pertinent information that needs to be shredded? I'll never know, but we do. Uh, but the uh, in Sussex County, if you're a resident, you can go to the SCMUA, which is a municipal utilities um, authority, and that's on 34 State Road uh, 94. And uh, they charge, it's in Lafayette, actually, and they charge by the volume, $6 minimum. So I'm assuming that's one bag because that seems to be uh, part of the course for any of the places that do shredding. And as I had mentioned before, and we know that uh, one of the uh, other places that offers that, offers shredding every other month, and I think the last one for this year will be in November, is uh, the Karen Ann Quinlan home they also do it as well again six dollars per paper bag but the uh, the county has theirs at from uh, on fridays it's october 18th this month it's the third friday of the month from 9 a.m mm-hmm. to 12 noon and residents can bring their bags of do- documents to be shredded and if you need more info 973-579-6998 Always good to know. I seems to be that, you know, I'm getting the things ready, and I have to mark it on my calendar. This way I make sure I get rid of some of these 
bags that accumulate of, of documents. I, I know exactly what you mean. I, I've, I've been wrestling with that today for chunks of the day. <laughs> well, you know, like I said, in Sussex County, we have this now. And then in the beginning of um, November, I'm not sure if it's the first or second Saturday, I will uh, update you on that. So this way our readers can be aware of it. Uh, that will be done at, at the um, Karen Ann Quinlan Hospice Center. The other thing is that there is an opioid, opioid epidemic symposium at three different Sussex County locations. One actually was tonight, and that was at the Newton High School, and there were two more. One is on Wednesday, October 23rd at the Walk Hill Valley Regional High School, and then Monday, October 28th at the Lenape Valley Regional High School. And this is being sponsored by the Sussex County Department in Health and Human Services. Um, basically, these symposiums will help people know what to do and where to go in case there's an overdose emergency, which is really important because, you know, these yeah. things happen or someone calls someone else and said, what do I do? The thing to do is to get help immediately. And these uh, symposiums and county programs, including Community Law Enforcement Addiction Recovery, which is known as CLEAR, stress the importance that this treatment is found immediately. And uh, other agencies present will include the Center for Prevention and Counseling. They have um, a recovery program that offers 24-7 services to those in need. And it's open six days a week to bring programs and assistance to individuals and families which is wonderful. There are, you know, you always hear about all these things in, in urban areas, but the rural areas are not uh, immune to this. There's just as much happening here as there is in any other area. Yes, it seems so. Sussex County has a lot uh, of positive things uh, going on. Definitely. And, you know, it's not judgmental. It's, the, it's preventative. It's to get help and care as it happens. So again, it's good to keep, a, you know, keep a list of things somewhere. You know, usually they'll say, oh, you know, keep your emergency numbers. Um, if you have little children, you know, if you're if there's a problem with poisons or this or that, it's just nice to think of your neighbors and other people in the community that may need these services and jot these the information down somewhere, because you just never know when these these uh, situations arise. Right. And the other thing to be aware of is that um, it is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So if you're in Sussex County and you're a survivor of domestic or sexual assault or you need help to somewhat for, want to, again, help someone, there is a intervention service called DASI, which is Domestic Abuse and Sexual Assault Intervention Services. They have a 24-hour helpline. It is 973- Eight seven five one two one one, and for more information, you can always visit visit their website. If you don't want to talk to someone, you just want to find more information out. Go to the website www.dasi.org. Wow. Um, yeah, there, a lot going on. <laughs> yes, there's a lot going on. There's uh, all sorts of uh, things going on with uh, the water too. I was looking at our local uh, paper today. Oh, yeah. Out of the water and 
Uh, we know that there's uh, killer algae in the, the water. and there's mm, also- mm. Oh, we'll get to that in a minute. I have a lot. Okay. I'm going to have to limit it only to two elements. But um, the other thing that's going on is the uh, Open Hearth Cooking, which is hosted by the Friends of High Point State Park. And uh, that is going to be October 19th, but I think it's also happening another time as well. Um, basically, what they do is on, at High Point, you have a $5 donation for family, and they teach you how to cook with an open hearth. And I think that's really wild. This is done with the Sunset View Farm Volunteers, showing members of the public how to do this. So... Um, that's really interesting. I know the 19th it's happening, but it's also happening up at um, High Point State Park at another another date, and that's a Saturday, and I will get that information for our listeners as well. And now let's get to the four elements. Where does one begin? Okay. There is just so much going on. And, uh, you know, I want to deal mostly with water, and I want to deal with fire tonight and uh, with water of course we've been talking on and on about the EPA and if you go to the epa.gov that site you can read about the Clean Water Act you can read about the Clean Air Act Um, there is deregulation of a major greenhouse gas methane uh, that they're trying to roll back the Clean Air Act really important to stay on top of these things and of course the other one is the Clean Water Act as well with uh, these different type of um, pollutants that are going to be allowed in the water and these there's a lessening of the regulations for these large corporations of what they can and cannot put into the water and the amounts and if you're concerned about this contact the epa you know strongly uh, voice your opinion the other thing is you always have the option to contact your um, representatives in the house if you're not sure who they are you can go to house.gov and then there's the greater than sign, representatives. You enter your zip code, uh, your name and your phone number, and they'll give you the committee. You can get their name, their phone number, and the committee assignment. So you can actually know not only who the representatives are, but what committees they're assigned to throughout the whole um, uh, country. So if you want to particularly address something related to water, the Clean Water Act, the Clean Air Act, find out who's in charge of the uh, resources and tied to working with the EPA, and uh, contact them directly, not only the ones that represent you, but uh, the ones that are on these committees that are steering committees for all these important events. That's a good idea, and uh, politicians do respond when they're uh, contacted, or if you go to meetings, then uh, there's always a time where people who are attending meetings can ask questions, uh, and I've seen yes. people ask some really pointed uh, questions at these uh, things. Mm. You can do it on the national level. You can do it on the state level. And right. you can do it within your community. There is the uh, Open Records Act. And that is amazing because I'm finding out that so many of this, so much of the information attained by nonprofit groups was obtained through the um, Open Records Act takes a while because they're not eager to get rid of, you know, uh, to put all this information out there. And with the water, as we know, in New Jersey, there's such a major ordeal going on. And it's all over. It's not just New Jersey. But uh, in New Jersey, people are being very, uh, trying to be very proactive in terms of uh, the lead pipes and, and the drinking water crisis in the state. 
supposedly 160,000 of the potentially toxic pipes at home and businesses are across the state, according to public records. So it's from the Open Records Act. Uh, the data was collected by the Department of Environmental Protection Action, again, the EPA, and it has a mix of complete and partial results. You can find out about three-quarters of the state's nearly 600 water systems. And um, a 2016 American Water Works Association survey estimated that twice as many of New Jersey homes and businesses get water through lead service lines. That's scary because we know how antiquated they are. And how in the world do they test these? Do they test them? How often do they test the water? I know that uh, in Newark, the, the treatment is stopped working. That's the other thing. I was unaware of how they use corrosive, certain things, um, chemicals within, within the uh, pipes to limit corrosiveness. Now, I'd love to know what kind of chemicals those are. Right. That, that is something. Because uh, it's come out that uh, uh, fracking water has been used to uh, clean the roads on our highways, uh, not only here. Wonderful. I resided. Uh, and so that gets back into the water table. Uh, of course, uh, of course. Well, but they're, find, they're trying to find all the ways. I mean, these companies that do the fracking, and people wonder why is it so horrible. Why? Because, first of all, you're going down so far, and you're, you're utilizing water with chemicals to, to fracture. Fracking is fracturing <laughs> to get right. fuel. And then they have to do something with all this water that's laden with chemicals. And you just stated one of the uses. Now, um, in terms of the four elements and the things that we've uh, discussed uh, both on and off uh, the air over the past uh, few months now with the, with the four elements, um, I would like to start focusing, uh, because you send me a lot of information on a lot of different important initiatives. Um, I would like to start right. focusing water specifically we might as well start off with uh, water i and think that's great you know starting off with water yeah because there's so much going on now and people should know that um they are going to start the officials said that that the water is really an important factor and the systems need to be streamlined which it always takes some kind of like horror to get them to stand up and notice and do what they need to do and new jersey is standing by with action, thanks to this governor, in terms of replacing, they have this new initiative, and they're going to replace the lead pipelines in the state. That's one thing. Um, it was interesting because um, in response to uh, a request made through the State's Open Records Act, they didn't have a plan, and the consensus of the, was that it would, could top $2 billion, and that... Um, it's not just the cities, and they have the oldest ones, Newark, Jersey City, Camden, Trenton, but also smaller towns have reported thousands of lead servicing lines as well. Belleville, East Orange, Garfield, Hackensack, and I'm sure there are more. And um, Associate Commissioner at the DEP said in a statement that flushing pipes after water has sat for hours can reduce lead exposure significantly, and that chemicals are used to control the corrosion, and it's very yeah. effective. Well, that's wonderful that it's effective in preventing corros corrosion in the pipes, but then what are we ingesting? We that's why it's yeah. so important. 
Yes, it's so important. And we've talked about this on other episodes, about testing your water. Testing the water that you drink. Because there's certain elements that you can put it in a charcoal filter pitcher, but there's certain elements that will not show up. I mean, that will still go past the charcoal, and you really want to know what's in the water. Yes, you do. Well, we want to know what's yeah, in our, and our soil, what's in our food. Everything. But again, Most water, definitely. you can't live. You can't live without these basic uh, elements. No, uh, definitely not. And only five states require inventories or maps of locations of the lead pipes. I thought that was interesting. And that's according to the Association of State Drinking Water Administrators. I think that's you know really great that there are these groups. And I say bravo and kudos to these non-profit groups and these organizations that have set themselves up to obtain these records and find out. And there is a new plan for eliminating lead contaminants. It's going to take, are you ready for this, 10 years and billions of dollars. They just released information last week by the Jersey Water Works. It's a nonpartisan infrastructure advocacy group. They called for sweeping policy changes to address the lead in the Garden State. And he joined the task force where the plan was unveiled. It is going to be a $500 million bond initiative. And the, the one big thing is that they're pushing for uh, you know, getting rid of the lead pipes. And this Jersey Water Works convened the task force in December. It's made up of 30 members, ranging from U.S. EPA officials to municipal water utilities directors to environmental advocates, and the top of the list is to replace every lead service line in New Jersey with water systems picking up the tab. So they're talking about 350,000 lead service lines. So that's the first thing. Yeah, they have to. And they have to also improve the rules, you know, improve protections for the water. That's another thing that was recommended, Uh, updating the rules for monitoring lead levels in water, uh, if there are um, high elevated lead levels requiring filters, so there, there's going to be more regulations for for lead in the drinking water through its lead and copper rule. They have the ability to set stricter standards, and let's hope that they do. Of course, the rules will be very strict for young children, whether they be in daycare or school. And they said now they want to require testing the school water every three years instead of every six and publish the testing results in a database, which is important. I can't believe six years. That's ridiculous. Unbelievable. And then we could always fine-tune it uh, as time goes uh, by. But it's important to right. Ha- drinking those things, uh, whether they're uh, the problem in the pipes or the corrosive chemicals that are meant to f- fix the problems in the pipes, it's not good either way. And uh, as we've discussed before, uh, when I lived in Pennsylvania, there was a lot of fracking uh, uh, not that far away. And s- in some of the towns, yeah. you could set your water on fire. So that that certainly is not a good thing. No, no. And another interesting thing is they talked about training a new workforce. And they said at least a third of the water and wastewater operators are at or near retirement age. 
And at this point, there's only 60 certified lead evaluation contractors. That's amazing. So he says we have to develop programs in high schools and tech schools to train the next generation of workers. And what great foresight. Why do you wait? until people leave and then train them, which I've seen, like, you know, in the public school system, I've seen that happen. Oh, now somebody is going to leave, and and you don't have somebody in human resources to handle a huge bulk of the workload. It becomes a problem. But they're looking to also do the passage of the Water Workforce Development Act, which is being co-sponsored by Senator Cory Booker. So, it seems that New Jersey is on the right path, that there, there is this openness with records and, and, and a, an action to, um, to be proactive, to do something about this. And uh, I would like to uh, start efforts in the communities. And we have you in uh, Sussex sure. County, Bergen, uh, and Bill is near enough Sussex County. So uh, uh, when he comes on, I'll ask him to pick uh, uh, a county as well. And we can just start some uh, concerted activity. Uh, and I'm sure we all know people who care about this issue and are involved in it. So, uh, oh, uh, gosh, yeah, sure. Activism. And it won't be based on ideological or spiritual grounds. It's like we need water to live. <laughs> so yeah, most definitely, you know. Uh, and would you want right, your right. And, and, uh, and uh, we want our elements protected. And because once there is extensive damage done, there is no there's no reversing it. And uh, I'm sure you saw the one site I sent you about the monarch butterflies, which was so interesting how this group is tracking them, going yeah. back, making their life cycle back to Mexico, and uh, being that they are basically their flight occurs over private lands and farms, that so many people are proactive and helping them along. That's magnificent, filming it. And and uh, it's nice to see some positive effects rather than seeing the horrific things that happen with Roundup and glyphosate killing everything. And uh, we have to be careful that we don't lose our pollinators. We have to be very, very careful. So, you know, and people think, oh, it's just an insect. No, it isn't. <laughs> Bees and butterflies are important pollinators. You really do not want to start affecting the way crops get pollinated because then we're going to start going back to more chemicals and um, crazy other ways of doing things as we know is done in this country um let's talk a little bit about fire okay we have uh 10 minutes let's talk about let's talk about fire let's talk a little bit about it yes because this (laughs) is frightening what happened in california is frightening yeah these poor people had their power turned off. And basically it was being done to prevent more fires. Or so, you know, this is what was said. Um, Now the fires, we're talking about the fires in California, and the fires that have happened in California for how many years now have been um, basically blamed upon global warming, which is very true, and human error, because of the fact there are people that 
are not careful with their campfires or for whatever yep. smoking, this, that. But um, global warming has caused a real big problem. At twenty by twenty seventeen, a record one hundred twenty nine million trees were dead, and that acts as fuel. If you have dryness and you have winds, all it takes is a, a little spark, and you have all these dead trees. My gosh. And then you wonder why these fires occur to the extent that they do. So that was mind-blowing. I didn't realize that there are that many dead trees, thanks to all of the global warming and the dryness, of course, the heat and, and no, the record dryness and insufficient water. And, of course, mm-hmm. once you have all these fires, your air quality indexes rise to 200 and above, meaning that it's unhealthy to breathe, unhealthy to breathe. Uh, we do know that Pacific Gas and Electric Company cut power to two million people in North Carolina, uh, North uh, North California. Excuse me. Uh, that's outrageous. That is outrageous. That they had roll, rolling power outages for these people. Um, some people were aware. Some were unaware. Yes, they have a site where you can go look, you know, to see the little areas, but. What happens if you can't afford solar power or a generator? What happens if you have to have this in order to survive? Um, in Paradise, the fires in that one town that was so horrifying was decimated. It killed 85 people, and that, that whole place has not recovered or recouped. And they have to make light of the situation, you know, with uh, power cords winding through their homes and everything. But... The point of the matter is that a lot of this could have been avoided. And why? Because they did not maintain their aging power lines and equipment. And again, thanks to uh, the Open Records Act, the Federal Freedom of Information Act, the Wall Street Journal obtained company documents. They ignored repairs on aging power lines for decades, the company spent $5 billion, not million, billion, on shareholder dividends rather than put it towards repairing and replacing decades-old equipment. And it, uh, the information obtained was that they knew that 49 aging steel towers on one transmission line grid needed replacement. And 57 needed replacement of hardware and aluminum lines, and they did nothing. Yeah, this, this is going to be a topic for another show, but um, a lot of people believe that you're trying to strangle business if you impose uh, these uh, regulations. But these regulations are phenomenally important uh, because they keep they the are. Rest- now, this just proves it. You know, putting profit and greed over people's safety and making sure that their shareholder dividends went five billions to them rather than putting towards repairing it. Where is, where is, I can't understand where the ethics are. Obviously, there aren't any. And then, of course, after this had happened in Paradise, where it was totally decimated, and then all these other fires, this company declared bankruptcy. So how do you sue them? This blows me away. You know, why are they not considered responsible? 
And it's not the first time because if you um, – I was reading about aging elbow pipes that weren't inspected for 45 years. They were the cause of a June 21st fire, which resulted in explosions. It injured five at the largest oil refinery on the East Coast. The U.S. Chemical and Safety Hazard Investigation Board released their preliminary factual findings related to the Philadelphia Energy Solutions Refinery Complex. They also said that 3,200 pounds of hydrofluoric acid was released into the atmosphere, and they were unaware of any health hazards. Oh, God. Well, of course, you know, after this happened, uh, they had to, they're going to close the refinery. They're going to, uh, again, declare bankruptcy and start layoffs. This is not the first time previous similar accidents occurred in 2012 with the Chevron Richmond Oil Refinery in California, 2009 the Silver Eagle Refinery in Utah. And a lot of the issues are that the agencies that provide oversight, CSB and OSHA, have been gutted or severely streamlined and the EPA under the Trump administration. So our work is cut out for us, and uh, I'm glad we're... Uh, yeah, and, and you know what, our listeners, if they really feel they want to know what's going on, and this is not fake news, because this information is being obtained under the Open Records Information Act, and this is factual information from the corporations that that are, you know, the laws that are being passed and corporations that are affecting these things. You know, and it's frightening, and we need to know, and they need to be held accountable. You know, people, if they don't pay their, their bills, their power shut off. If you don't have money for fuel, well, oh, well, you know, you don't drive the car or you don't do this, you don't do that. Uh, you don't heat your home. But where is their accountability in terms of, of putting that profit factor above people's safety when you are paying a fee for these services, A, right. and B, if you look at your bills, whether it be from JCPNL or, you know, any of these places, you have a money, you know, taxes that are put on your bills in order to ensure that there's certain things that are being done, you know, for the, for the good of the, um, of the utility company and yourself and those that supposedly they can't afford it or whatever, but that you see all these different bills, you know, all these ta- things that are on your bill that are taxes. You know, look at them one day. It's like a little right. frightening. And meanwhile, I guess those taxes go somewhere else too because they're certainly not going to maintenance. And that, that's what will be different about how we do it. Uh, it won't be opinions. Yeah. It won't be people's feelings. No. We're based on hard facts that are available to anybody who cares to look for them. We'll have uh, links to these things and uh, right. um, in that way. Now, Astrid, I wish I right. could talk. You know, I love talking to you, uh, but our time is up for today's adventure. Uh, I will be contacting you uh, later tonight uh, with an email. Right. So we 
setting a date for the four elements and continuing this? I will be giving you, sending you some information in terms of like uh, petitions for Trader Joe's so, because they're very good. They don't use plastic bags, but they use paper bags. But there is a move to get them to stop using pa- plastic packaging as well. And they are good. If they get petitions, they will... You know, they will bend to people's requests. It's just a matter of us putting the pressure on them. And the other one, again, I'm going to be sending them out, is about remediation, the contaminated Superfund sites, because it's supposed to be land remediation, and there's ways to find out. It, you know, because up to 11 million people live within a mile of these toxic sites. So people need to know where they are, if they're near one, because you can find out through, uh, I think it's Daily Costs. Yes, it is. And there's a petition to urge candidates to commit to these remediation. And I will send that to you. Thank you very much again. You're awesome. And uh, I will talk to you later tonight. Most definitely. Take care. Be well and safe. (laughs) And you too. And we're going to listen to Brand Kadorian's King of Dreams. And then we'll be back with Bill Waitman. And my board doesn't want to participate. Let's see. Here it goes.
and welcome back to the Elysium Project. I'm Hercules Invictus, and now we move forward to our last segment for today, I on Northern New Jersey, hosted by the legendary workforce amazing guy, Bill Waitman, and today he has guests Sue Davies and Naomi Johnson. Greetings and welcome, Bill. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I'm a little sore. I have uh, some problem with my leg, but I'm doing okay. I'm sorry. Um, I'm yeah. sorry I couldn't take your, your call before, but I was on the air, so my apologies. That's okay. It was a crazy day, and I got caught in the rain. I don't know if, if the two guests did, but I got caught in a storm. Well, let me bring um, them on board, and you can ask them. Okay. Greetings. <laughs> Are you there, ladies? Yes, I'm uh, here. Yep. And, yes, I got caught in the rain. Uh, <laughs> got a bit wet. <laughs> with a lot of water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except yeah. I couldn't run to my car. <laughs> I had to walk very steadily. <laughs> okay. Um, this is going to be an interesting thing. I'm going to see if I can do this with two ladies when I couldn't do it with two men. Um, okay. We have t- two different topics. Uh, I remember I brought a gentleman from North Carolina who had wrote a book, and uh, I brought a pro- pro- professor from Pace. And... Uh, they didn't argue. It just was. It was. It was. Uh, it didn't work out. It wasn't plausible the way I handled it. I'm going to start with. Um, I'm going to start with Sue. The reason I'm going to start with Sue mm-hmm. is because I am going to a conference that she uh, is having or she's hosting with others in New York City on Saturday. I got that right, Sue. It's uh, Friday the 25th. Yes. Okay, Friday the 25th. <laughs> See, it wasn't all there mentally either. Okay, 
I want you to talk a little bit about that, and I want to ask you, uh, you have uh, 2 million members and uh, 2 million uh, people that are not aligned with either party uh, in New mm-hmm. Jersey. I was just looking at Arizona, and it's, I guess, 1.2 million. And uh, yeah. what's the figure you think nationwide? I think it's 46% uh, are yeah. not aligned. It's 46%. And uh, so I'm with New Jersey Independent Voters. It's 46%. We're part of the National Independent Voting dot org organization and we we estimate that 30 million independent voters will not be allowed to vote in the presidential primaries uh, because they're registered as independents uh, I, I would hope that with like states like arizona that they seem to be taking that to court uh, what's the situation in new jersey well, in New Jersey, there's 2.4 million voters. 42% of the people in the state are registered, unaffiliated, or as independents. We are one of the outliers. We're one of nine states in the country that do not allow independents to vote as independents in the primaries. Now, we can change our registration uh, in order to vote, but that's forcing us to join a party to participate in an election, and we don't think that's fair. We also... Our tax dollars pay for the primaries, so we're now paying for an election that we are excluded from. Uh, I am I, strongly in favor of you being allowed to vote. I mean, I watched the vote today uh, in the House on the uh, resolution uh, against um, the president's action there, and I, c- I couldn't believe that 60, 60 votes didn't uh, manage to support that action. Uh, I'm not taking a partisan viewpoint, but I think it's what has happened there is, to me, reminds me of, and it might sound silly to you and maybe Naomi, but um, um, Wounded Knee, where the Indians were, Mm -hmm. um, Native Americans were uh, slaughtered. Um, This is a slaughter that shouldn't have happened. And uh, uh, I don't know, uh, the soldiers maybe should have remained there or uh, something, but uh, Turkey is certainly no ally of the U.S., and the president was an idiot for doing this. I can't think of anything worse uh, to a people, um, maybe not American, the people that took the uh, chance to stand up and fight for Americans many, many times. Uh, You know, we don't punish people. We get into too many wars. That's an issue. But uh, I really didn't enjoy his comments today, and I – I really would have liked to see something more than 354 or whatever the final tally was. Um, yeah. So be it. Um, you've got a, well, a thing coming up. In, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think part of the problem is that our system of governing right now doesn't work. Um, not only do our elections not work, but we're not, we don't have an electoral system. We don't have a governing system where we can solve the major problems and issues that we're facing right now, whether it's our involvement in wars or or our position with allies overseas, a whole host of things. We're not in a position to solve problems right now because we don't have a governing process that is working. Um, And we have an electoral process that locks out 45% of the voters. We have a whole electoral process that just doesn't, it's no longer functioning in any kind of way uh, to help solve problems. Um, so that's I an think that in essence is, what we're working on. 
I think if this goes on much longer, I think that uh, we will greatly lose much of what we've we've had. I, I mean, yeah. I'm not a. I, I I belong to foreign policy organizations in New York. I belong to the. Uh, 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 for, actually, I belong to the Foreign Policy Association, and I belong to the uh, uh, Council on – oh, I can't forget what it is now – Council on Foreign Relations and the Naval Institute, mm-hmm. because I'm um, – in that region of uh, the Middle East, my uncle died. Now, he wasn't a soldier. Mm-hmm. He was a, a professor. I don't know what else he was, but he died in an elevator in, uh, in Cairo, and uh, that to me doesn't – that always seems to me like – that maybe he was doing something for somebody that he shouldn't have been done doing because I never saw a death certificate. I never saw anything. And uh, uh, the only thing I've saw, uh, I went, he taught in New York uh, at the city university. Um, and he taught, he taught in Cairo and taught in uh, uh, Beirut. And uh, uh, they shot the president of the university who was related to mm-hmm. uh, his uh, son was a coach. I, I beat the coach of the, the, not the Lakers, but the other Los Angeles team. And then all of a sudden I saw my uncle in Cairo, at, and that's where he died, at the American University there. Um, mm-hmm. So strange thing. Tell me about what's going to happen on, on the 25th. Well, on the 25th, Independent Voting does its Anti-Corruption Awards. We've done these awards for uh, it's the 19th annual Anti-Corruption Awards. And we use these awards to recognize people from around the country that are fighting for electoral reform, democracy, you know, opening up our electoral process, fixing America's broken political process. So we this year we are honoring uh, Jane Cleave who is the chair of the Nebraska Democratic Party. And Nebraska does have open primaries, allows independents to vote in the presidential preference uh, elections. And uh, Jane Cleave was really instrumental in making that happen. We're also honoring Katie Fahey, who is the founder and executive director of Voters Not Politicians. And she worked on the gerrymandering issue in Michigan. And then Adrian Fontes was a leader. He's an elected official. He's actually the reporter in Arizona, in Maricopa County, and he was active in the fight to open up Arizona's primaries to independents. The Arizona Democratic Party recently voted not to open their primaries, even though 50% of millennials in Arizona are registered as independent, and actually a very high percentage of uh, Gulf War and uh, Iraqi veterans are registered as independent, and they have 1.2 million independents in the state that are not able to vote in the primary. So, but uh, Adrian, Adrian Pontes was a leader in that effort. And so we're having people come in from all over the country. We have leaders of the fight in Florida to open up the primaries. In Pennsylvania, they actually have a bill in the state legislature right now to open the primaries. The folks that have been leading that are coming. So a whole host of people from around the country are coming um, to the anti-corruption awards. And uh, if people are interested in coming, we still have tickets. Um, you can go on independentvoting.org and Google the uh, anti-corruption awards. But if you go on our website, you'll find the anti-corruption awards and, and you can see more about it. Or people can find us on Facebook at New Jersey Independent Voters uh, as well. Before we uh, – I'm going to go to Naomi in a second. 
Uh, I know uh, Hercules will ask later, how can people contact you? I'm going to come back to you, uh, and I'm going to come back to Naomi a second time, too. Uh, how can people reach you? Uh, one place is independentvoting.org. That's our national uh, website. On Facebook, we have a Facebook page, which is New Jersey Independent Voters. Uh, at New Jersey Independent Voters, if you put that in Facebook, you'll find us. Um, those are the two best ways to get in touch with us. Well, hold hold on, all right? I'll be back. <laughs> Naomi. Yes. Are you there? It's a pleasure to talk to Naomi because I think you were one of my, on one of my early shows. And now you're at the Pittsburgh Cable uh, doing a show there. Can I say where else you are? Um, you at Princeton Cable? You're at Princeton Cable. And where else are you at? Oh, well, I'm here at Princeton Cable, but um, the show also, I submit the show to um, Manhattan Community Cable and Brooklyn Community Cable. Okay. Um, You cover a lot of topics about buses. Uh, I shouldn't have said the word, but transportation. Uh, uh, I don't know how many. You've you've done radio shows. You've uh, You've been in fashion. Uh, you make. Why don't you tell me? Give me the story, as much as you can tell. All right. On um, on what story? On which one? Well, was, you know. How did you get into this? Uh, you you want me to be to like. This? I'm sorry. Say that again, please. How you got into this whole transportation fiasco? Oh wow! Well, I know it's tough. Yeah, it is. Um, my son, my only child, he uh, was an inspired hip-hop artist, well-known underground hip-hop artist and rapper and singer. And um, he also was um, going to College King University in Essex County. And unfortunately, a bus driver had was speeding and jumped the curb and killed my son. Ran my son over twice and then dragged him. And can, can I take over a bit? Yes, go ahead. You did a, a, No, Naomi followed all the legitimate means. Uh, she counted on lawyers. Uh, some of them seemed to be corrupt. She ca- counted on politicians in Essex County, and uh, many of them were corrupt. She wound mm-hmm. up doing an investigation. She dug up the crime scene. Before they did, they didn't look at it, didn't care, or they didn't want to. And she saw how the bus driver, uh, the driver, had hit her son twice. Uh, and it was it was a brutal it, – it killed him on, on sight. He wasn't running. The bus driver was speeding. We mm-hmm. don't know what all the answers. Uh, it's very hard to hit somebody twice. But uh, she went through, and she – was not taken seriously by you know a group of uh, even her own lawyers. They were ready to sell, settle. This was actually more. It seems almost more like a criminal uh, scene now. And uh, what the data that she gathered, which is, uh, I'm thinking of uh, God. I can't remember that show, Columbo, where she she dug up so much information. The cameras were located in an Exxon gas station. She got them. She got the film. She uh, 
She remembered people, uh, great memories. She remembered or found out people that were on that bus. There were lies told because they report, the authorities focused on a bus that went before this. But the actual bus, even I've seen it on the, ta- on the tape, was the one that uh, was driving nasty, nasty, too fast. Bad attitude. His driving record included a lot of uh, bad offenses. He should never have been allowed to be behind the bus. Uh, in any event, she took that. She worked. She's still working on her son's case, but she's been out there helping other people that have gone through the same thing. And I want you to pick up Naomi with that, okay? Yes. Well, after that, you know, a lot of people have saw articles that I have written and some articles that uh, the newspaper had written, and they reached out to me on different uh, places like on Facebook because people have been following my son's story, you know, um, if I will, the horrible journey. And they shared their story on the change.org that I had created for all the people who lost their loved ones, just like my child. And um, they shared their story. One woman, she shared her story that a Virginia Transit driver was speeding and had ran her over. And both of her legs was amputated, and she undergo multiple, multiple surgery. And she was sharing with me how she was in a coma of, uh, like, a couple of times. And then this other mother who reached out to me once she had learned of my son's story, uh, once again it was on uh, in the Star Ledger front newspaper and was on the, the local um, news station. So she shared her story about how her son's life was taken by New Jersey Transit train in Montclair. And um, she commented on my son's music page, which is on YouTube, uh, under Sean Cox Mason, and he commented and shared her story about what happened to her son. And from that point on, her and I had been conversing off and on, and she happened a year later ran into my my son, one of my son's uh, friends. And... I don't know how they came up with the conversation about what happened to my son and her son, and she wound up giving the, her phone number for me to contact her. And so her and I have been, like, traversing all on and trying to grow an alliance to um, pretty much fight this corruption because that's what it is, you know. And um, I go on a talk show, and I'm trying to get people who lost their loved ones just like my, my son and actually share with them what I've been through because there was multiple fabrication to me, you know, playing like that, what I call cheap psychology, you know. And it's sad how the justice system fails you. Not only that, even the politicians I wrote to, when I say I wrote to multiple, multiple politicians from the congressman, the U.S. senator, governor, you name it certified letter, call them, they all ignore me. No response. And it's like really going on seven years that I have been fighting alone. And um, because of they lied to me, I said, okay, let me do my own research. So I start doing my own research and come and find out the attorneys. I I went through four, four attorneys, four of them, five, four attorneys because they were fabricating to me. Because every time they fabricate to me, I start doing more research, and I find totally different. And, I mean, it, it always was good because I knew a, a friend of mine 
who's in the system, the justice system, and he's told me to do my own investigation because he knows how it is. And I found out so much. They sat there, and I say they, transit attorney and transit and the, the lawyers saying that my son was chasing the public transportation. I'm like, you know, as a mother, we know our child. We know what they will do, and we know what they won't do. And I just said to myself, well, that's not like my son chasing. Why would he be chasing it? You know, and I kept saying, I mean, all this, what I'm saying is all online. So when I, I put all the evidence online, all online. And um, one of the terms I had, transit attorney told me, told the attorney that I had, oh, she exposed us, she taken, take it down, take it down. First they said I was lying. So every time they say I lie, I put the evidence right on YouTube. And then he started begging my attorney, my third, the third attorney to tell me to take it down. I said, no, I'm not, because the world needs to know, because if you're doing this to my son, how many other other people are you lying to? This is corruption at its best. Mishandling my son's case, even with the prosecutor video, I put that online too, with the prosecutor, the detector, and transit lawyer told my son, oh, Telling the driver, you did not do anything wrong. He didn't do anything wrong by ending my son's life. And the lawyer from transit, like, oh, the driver has a clean record. He has a clean history. Lies after lies after lies. I dig some more. And I found out, and I put that up online. You know, so it's like ongoing. Every attorney that I had, it's not, they wasn't like thinking about justice. They were thinking about, oh, let's get the money and transit. They do not live up with their mission, to their mission statement. You know, safety is their main priority, which is a, all fabrication. Because what I did, I just wound up start doing a lot of research, and I started screenshotting all the articles. And so I created an Instagram page, and every life from transit train to it's hard for me to say the BUS because what happened to my son, the attorneys that I had want to show me image of my son. His remains on the ground are horrible. You shoot, you're you're ill-treated. And you, but she she is continuing on. And, and let's let's tell the next stage. Where are you now? So right now, so I, I did an interview in Brooklyn, and you know the host who was interviewing me, she said, wow, she said, well, why don't you do your own show? She said, pitch your show to a community station. You know, this is very interesting. And I, I did just that, you know, Manhattan, Brooklyn, and um, they're like, oh, you got to be a resident, which means to the um, cable channel in Manhattan and Brooklyn, and they kept referring me, so I got to want to get into Princeton Television. And I met the director there, and he was very, very interested in the story, and he like, okay, I like this story. It's not anything that we have, you know, on cable, the community cable in Princeton, New Jersey. So from that point on, I start doing the show and trying to get people who lost their loved one, just like my son, to come and share their story because no new outlet going to allow them to share their story. They they don't share their story, so no one knows. So if I had them come there, and 
no one, the ones that reached out to me, I offered for them to come. They say they will, but they didn't, you know, because, again, it's because they had signed a gag order, and so that's why they don't come to the show. And some of them, people don't know their rights, that you have, you can decline a gag order, you know, for exchange of money. Because, like I said, the lawsuit is just like a band-aid. The wound is still open. But where's the resolution? Where's the cure? So that's where I am at now, and I'm at Princeton Television because when I first started it, a criminal lawyer said, in order for you to change it, you got to get the people involved. So I said, okay, where can I go to get the people involved? That's my my son already started his collection. Like I said, he was a hip-hop artist, so he was doing his skit race, started his T-shirt line. So from that point, I picked up, and I started doing New York Fashion Week. And with New York Fashion Week, the underground New York Fashion Week, they had, like, people who had magazines and everything and shared the story. She she has done her own line of clothes, and uh, even for the shows on television, she has clothes that depict what happens. Uh, I mean, they're very stylish and, and also very tragic. That's uh, it's 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 keeping going on, and she's helping other people in the process by bringing them on the show. Uh, a lot of them have gone through these kind of situations. In my own life, my mom was hit by a bus, and uh, she wasn't. She was a very careful walker. Uh, it really caused her a lot of pain for the rest of her life. Um, so I, I want to just go back to you again, uh, uh, Susan, and um, why don't you give us, because Hercules is going to come on in a few minutes, why don't you give us a little information about uh, how people can reach you and uh, uh, I'll see you in New York. But go mm-hmm. ahead. Yeah, I mean, first I want to say, Naomi, just condolences. And um, I'm so sad to hear your story and uh, that you've used it to actually try to create some response. Um, I just think that's really important and, uh, you know, really, really important for us, for you, for us, and for the country these kind of instances need to be responded to. And so I just wanted to, to say that. Um, relative to getting a hold, one of the things that we are doing is we have a petition online to open up the primaries. We have directed it both to the Democratic, the Democratic Party Chair John Curry and the Republican Party Chair Doug Steinhardt asking them to open the primaries. They actually have the right to do that if they would want to do that. And I think it behooves both of them. Um, the, the, the turnout in June was 7.7% in the primaries. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. So, and, and you know, you're excluding 40, 42% of the population is excluded. So you could never even, you can't even get to above 50%. Uh, if you if you do that, so uh, but the best way to get a hold of us, there's uh, we have an email address, uh, New Jersey Independent Voters at Gmail dot com. You can get a hold of us on Facebook at at New Jersey Independent Voters or online at um, independentvoting.org. dot org. That's our national organization. So any of those ways you can get a hold of us. Okay, Naomi, how about you? Oh, well, you can contact me. Um, I have every email. Not the talk show at gmail.com. You know, if anybody who has a story, such as my son or 
anything would like to share their story, they're welcome to email me at Naila, N-O-N-E-I-L-L-A-H, talk show at gmail.com. And on the fashion part, you can um, email me at Naila, gmail, N-O-N-E-I-L-L-A-H, at gmail. And people who does music, you also can email me at Naila22 at gmail. And I'm all on social media, not Snapchat, but all the other social media outlets that I'm on, Instagram, and it's still the same, not Illa, all across the board on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And um, if you're interested, listen to my son's music. His music, his, he on Deshaun Cosmation, S-E-A-N, space C-O-S, space M-A-S-O-N, Sean Cosmation, he all on social media. And if you're interested in me further up on my son's story, his biological name, birth name is Deshaun, D-E-S-H-O-N Johnson. And you gotta tell him that you have your own books of poetry, and uh, and he has some poetry of his that's been po- uh, published as well. And you did, yeah. and you told me that you interviewed. Uh, I I think Susan would remember this name, and I think. Uh, Hercules would remember that you interviewed a songwriter for Pat Benatar. Yeah, um, D.L. Um, Ryan. Yeah, he was he was a Grammy um, songwriter for Pat Benatar, The Saddle, and mm-hmm. um, he came from. Hmm. And he, he I on, And he right. came on. He came. He came on to the show. Monday just passed. He was my guest. So I was like, wow, how you find me? But nevertheless, he found me. So, his, well, his publicist. And um, he came on the show. He promoted his book, The Saddle. And um, if anybody interested to look at it, you, I'm on Naila Talk Show on Facebook. And I'm on Naila Talk Show on Twitter, too. You know, on Naila Talk Show blog. And you can um, see the um, story. Or you can go to Princeton. Facebook live, I'm sorry, Princeton Facebook and Princeton Television Facebook, I get together, and you can see the um, interview that I did with D.L. Um, Brian, and he has a very interesting story as well, and um, he's promoting his book, and a book, it was inspired by the Grammy-winning award song that Pat Benatar had found. Yes. Wow, this was an amazing episode. Uh, Bill, I want to thank you for bringing on these wonderful guests, uh, both of whom were on before. And uh, Sue and Naomi, thank you very much for uh, sharing your stories and letting folks know how they can get involved with making a positive uh, change in the world. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Yeah. And Bill, we have a minute more. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry, I said I told um, Susan thank her, thank her for her condolences. And, Bill, we have uh, time for you to leave our audience with some words of wisdom, and I think we have time for uh, Sue and Naomi to just leave with a closing statement. So, Bill, uh, we'll start with you. Well, we live in the most pressing time of times. At the next election coming up, everybody that can vote should vote. And we left 96 million people home. Uh, that was a general election. I don't think those were independent voters. Uh, and probably Democrats and Republicans that didn't see, to see any need. I have some of them in my own family. But it's imperative that people vote. 
and uh, never more so imperative in my lifetime. I go back to seeing uh, Harry Truman walking around New York City, and I met John Kennedy when I was 10. Uh, these are the times, as uh, maybe Thomas Paine would say, that try our soul. Thank you. Uh, Sue? Yeah, I um, well, number one, I want to thank you for having me again. I love being on this show. Um, I think I, I second what Bill said. This is the most important election of our lifetime. We need to make sure everybody who's allowed to vote can vote. We should not be forcing people to join a political party in order to participate in our elections. So uh, we need to open up our process. We need to do something to create a governing and electoral process that works for all of the American people. And, um, you know, come find us on Facebook or the Internet and uh, get involved. Thank you very much, Naomi. Yes, like I Susan, I like to thank you for having us. And I pick it back with um, Bill and Susan said as far as um, voting in an aspect of what I'm going through because a politician, you know, even though we have we vote for people and they give us they 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 speak and when they get in office it's a whole totally different story, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So I ask yeah. those people who um dealing with the situation with me, never my opinion, don't take a word of your lawyer. Do your own investigation. Because with transit is a big company and they can actually find a way to finagle these attorneys. So do your own investigation, and you have your right. Exercise your right, your First Amendment, your constitutional right. Because they say they want to settle with you, you can decline that because that is your right, and you have the right to exercise that. Oh, very true, and uh, you're doing uh, um, everything you can to get that message out, and that's very heroic and uh Again, I, I'm, I'm sorry this came about because of a tragedy, but you're doing a lot of good in the world. Thank you. I'd like to thank all who joined us tonight, uh, everybody who's on tonight. Well, Bill's a, a, a regular host, but I'd like to invite uh, both of you back so that uh, um, we can follow your journey because uh, you're both on incredible journeys. Mm. Thank well, you. Fun. Thanks for having us. And good night, everybody. Until next time, this is all of us wishing you joyous journeys and amazing adventures. Thanks for listening to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network. Join us seven nights a week for exciting programming covering a variety of expressions of faith. And remember... All manifestations of the divine are equally valid.